0: Welcome to Next Question, a podcast by White's Chapel. This is a podcast created by you for you. You submit a question, and pastors and church staff do our best to answer them. We hope you enjoy. Welcome back. Our guest today is uh, one of my one of my best friends, uh, Reverend Ross Furio. Ross, tell the people hi. Tell them what you do.
1: Oh my gosh, what is up? Listen, I have been trying to talk Sam into letting me get on this podcast okay. since he started. I, I knew, and yeah, I how, many, how many episodes in are we, Sam? Like, how long did it take you to get me on this podcast? I don't know, we're probably like
0: seven or eight in. It's still yeah, young. seven or
1: eight in. It's young. And he finally the... gets on, who he calls one of his best friends. Uh, yeah, my name's Ross. <laughs> I went to seminary with Sam. That's how we met each other over at Perkins at SMU. Um, but I currently live in Birmingham, Alabama. That's where I grew up. I serve a church here called Bluff Park United Methodist Church, and I lead the contemporary service here. So it's kind of who I am and, and where I am. What else you want to know, Sam? You want to know about my family?
0: Uh, tell them about your podcast.
1: Ooh, my podcast. I'll start with family, too. So uh, yeah, I do I family, too. Yeah, I didn't mean to dismiss uh, your my, family. My wife's <laughs> Sorry, Madison. is, is Madison. Yeah. Yep. And we have a son. He's about to turn seven months old. His name is Reed. Uh, so me and Sam have been having a lot of fun. I actually tried to get Reed about, on
0: the podcast, but uh, uh, he was busy this this week. So yeah, his attention a span it
1: isn't it, it isn't quite there to make it through a whole podcast episode. Yeah, but it's been fun talking with Sam and Hannah as they get ready for Sadie.
0: Yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah.
1: Leaving. So. So it's been fun learning how to be a parent. Six months old is was kind of a crazy turning point. He really woke up to the world at about six months old. And now, so uh, I was
0: gonna say, now is he eating solid foods now?
1: He is, yep. Which means that bowel movements have changed significantly <laughs> in the last month or so. Uh, which, like everybody
0: told me, that was gonna happen, but I didn't really know what to expect. And what, uh, what are what are yeah, his favorite I mean, foods so far?
1: Sweet potatoes. He's eating a lot of sweet potatoes, okay. and so if I'm being totally honest with you, I think I may have to just fast from sweet potatoes for a little yeah, while. I don't, out. I don't, I don't know how much longer I can do it for myself because I don't think Reed's going to slow down anytime soon on the sweet potatoes.
0: Okay, That's, there's worse things.
1: Uh, but then you asked about my podcast. Yes, uh, yeah. I do tell a about podcast, armchair. Uh, called Armchair Theology. And it is a podcast where me and Clay Farrington, that's who uh, co-hosts it with me, we are trying to read through the Bible one chapter a day. So if you do the math on that, it'll take you a little over three and a half years to do that, to read through the whole Bible from beginning to end, only reading one chapter a day. So we release one episode every week on the seven or so chapters that we read the previous week. So we're about... A little over two years into that project. So I'd encourage y'all to just go check it out, especially if you have always wanted to read the Bible cover to cover, but have tried and failed a few times with those Bible in a year reading plans. So we are about to finish up Ezekiel, which means from Genesis to Ezekiel. We have Bible commentary on every podcast platform yeah. that goes through each and every chapter of Scripture. It's good so stuff. So it's a slower man. it's it's a slower pace to read, but it for- forces you to notice themes and arcs and and pay attention to narratives in Scripture that we would otherwise maybe read over a little bit. Um, so it, it's been really good for me and my practice uh, for reading the Bible. And my own biblical literacy has gone up dramatically since starting this process. Um, and we've been able to meet a lot of really cool people that we've been able to have on the show.
0: Yeah. Am I allowed to tell them who you just had uh, on, on the pod?
1: Yeah, we just posted about it, actually. Okay. Uh, so last week we were able to uh, sit down with Jared Bias, who that may sound like a familiar name to you. He and Pete Enns. Do the podcast called "The Bible for Normal People," which is a pretty popular show. So Jared just wrote a book. I say just. I think I think it's six months or so ago, but just wrote a book on Jonah. So me and Clay were able to sit down with him and record an episode on Jonah that'll that'll come out in, in a couple of months. But we wanted to go ahead and record it. So yeah, it's just it's really fun, man.
0: I don't know. It's, and then it's here on next really question, we got the today. guy who got the guy. We got we get to interview uh, Ross Furio. I, I, yeah, I, guess, I guess that's how you could put it. Yeah. Okay. So Ross, Ross knows uh, kind of how this works. Uh, if this is the first time you're listening to Next Question, uh, it's a pretty simple premise. We uh, collect questions from the congregation, from our staff, uh, from uh, children in our children's ministry, and we put them in a bowl and we draw random questions. And Ross has no idea what's in this bowl. He has no idea what's coming. I don't know what's coming. And so we are just going to draw a question and, and talk through it. Ross, you ready?
1: I'm ready to relinquish power to you, Sam, to you and your, and your drawing ability. So okay. just, just, just lead the way. Take, take my hand and lead the way, Sam. Let's All right. Do
0: it. All right. Uh, okay. This is actually a great one for you. What do you think is the most underappreciated book of the Bible?
1: Ooh, that's so easy, man. Ecclesiastes. Okay, say more. Ten percent Ecclesiastes. And I think my number two would be Job. But I think my number one would be Ecclesiastes. Um, I think Ecclesiastes gets such a bad rap, man. And, and you probably remember this from seminary, right? Did Dr. Heller talk a lot about this book, or am I remembering that? No, yeah, you know, you're you right. Dr. Yes, Dr. definitely. remember Dr. Heller spending time talking about I this think book?
0: He, I think he adored Ecclesiastes, which I think maybe so, maybe that's why because I love Ecclesiastes too, uh I mean not Ecclesiastes number two, there is no number two, but I love Ecclesiastes as well, like as well it's I think a lot of times we talk about it as a great book for people who are going through a midlife crisis, you know yeah, uh, so yeah. I but but yeah, I think you're right, I think a lot of people avoid it because you get into it and you're like, who is Coalette? Why is he such a bummer like
1: Yeah. And, and I think also too, I think part of the reason it is underappreciated is because of how some of that language is translated in some of our, some of our versions of scripture. Like if if you're listening to this and you got a Bible sitting in front of you, open up to Ecclesiastes, it's going to either say life is meaningless or life, everything is vanity. Vanity. Um, and that word havel, I think that that's what the word is it is Hebrew. yeah you're right, it's yeah. such a hinge word i've always said hevel
0: so if it's havel i'm ai think i I
1: think it's i think it's havel you're you're
0: more of a language guy than i am but
1: it's such a hinge word for what the book is actually trying to tell us and and i think if i remember correctly I think a really good way to understand that word is, is as breath
0: yeah, or wind. Um, and,
1: and, to, and to think of it as a binary. So the other Hebrew word that we use all the time for breath is Ruah, which is that life breath that God breathes into us in mm-hmm. Genesis. And then we have this other word for Havel, which is like the waste breath. So what I've heard it described to me as, and I think it makes so much more sense, is the author is trying to say... Everything is that is that waste exhale. Like on a cold morning, the exhale that you can see coming from your mouth, that cloud of air, that's what the author is pointing to. Not to say everything is meaningless, but to say, you know, when we live our life, we're living off of the exhale that we only have because of the breath that God has given us.
0: Yeah, that's good,
1: and that's so good, yeah. right? And we just read right past it. Like I, I think I wonder if we kind we of read past know- a
0: lot of wisdom literature, you know. Like, well,
1: I think cause it's not
0: narrative. Is so it's not, a, exactly. it's not always a story we can follow. It's not like uh, a person's life that we can kind of track with wisdom literature by nature is, is supposed to be more amorphous, harder to kind of pin down. Um, and Ecclesiastes is, I mean, that's, that's definitely Ecclesiastes. Yeah, dude,
1: so like, it's, it starts off by saying everything is this, is this Havel, this, this exhale of breath. And we don't have any control over it. There's nothing that we can do about it. We toil under the sun and it's depressing, depressing, depressing. But then you have these moments in Ecclesiastes where the author is like, wear bright colors. And we we should drink and and be merry. We should, we should break bread with friends. We should live life to the fullest, knowing that the only reason we're here is because we have that life breath within us. And that everything around us is completely out of our control. Mm -hmm. it's really like this this book that grants us freedom to live a life of faith knowing that all we can do is trust God and live life to the fullest rather than this like pessimistic nothing matters go live under a rock kind of translation that I think it so often gives.
0: Yeah. Okay, that's good. That's good. All right. Let's see what's next. Okay. Um <laughs> Thoughts on hot dogs.
1: Yeah. Thoughts on hot
0: dogs. What's, what's your what's your hot dog what? take? Okay. Are we pro hot dog? I, are we anti hot dog? Where do, where do we land on hot dogs? A, can I
1: ask a clarifying question? Yeah, of course. I don't know if I can answer oh, it. Where but... where, where am I buying this hot dog from?
0: All I have on the card is thoughts on hot dogs. That is very, you can see because, here, this is well, literally, well, what. I mean, so here, look, I'm going to hey, say, I'm going to let you interpret that however you want. I mean, if are you a Costco dog guy? Are you a ballpark dog? Are we talking about homemade I mean, because I get that homemade, there's a spectrum, wow. like a brat, a brat cakes. is not, you know what I mean? The same no, no, as no. a, yeah,
1: we're, we're talking about a hot dog, not a piece of sausage that you eat like a hot dog, not Conecco,
0: which, okay. I, I went and visited, uh, my wife and I went and visited Ross in Alabama. Uh, oh gosh, was that,
1: it was, it was a couple summers ago. It was a, a cou- couple summers
0: anyway. ago. And Ross introduced me to this thing called Kaneka sausage.
1: It's the promised land, bro. It, it comes really out of is. County. Ain't it's nothing like it. It's nothing truly. Like I it. miss
0: it. I've we've actually ordered it a couple of times since then. Uh, so you never well, had corn I mean, sausage.
1: To, to, Sam, to get back to the question. Sorry, about yes sorry. Hot dogs, Did I'm um, sorry, I got
0: distracted on this important uh, topic.
1: I I feel like I need to to tell you that I probably eat less than one hot dog a year.
0: Okay. That's honestly. So I don't know
1: how qualified I am to answer this question. So I. Guess I mean, I think you just, just did answer, answer the question. At face value, what are my? How do we feel about hot dogs? What are my thoughts on hot dogs? I mean, I'm, I'm always, I'm always a thousand percent. I'm always going to go for a burger over a hot dog. It's not even close to me. It's yeah. not even close.
0: Uh, producer Andrew says that they say a hot dog takes thirty minutes off your life. <laughs> Each hot Which dog. Which is
1: why I I tend to steer clear of them. right? Yeah. I mean. I mean, I, I, I think understand. you did answer the question.
0: Understand. If you if you average one a year, um, I, I I don't think you're clearly a fan, and that's okay. I mean,
1: And honestly, man, I'll, I'll say something else too. If if I'm gonna just you know reveal yeah, let the people the veil know of, yeah. of, of my brain. Do I internally judge folks that I walk past at Costco that are eating a hot dog? I think I do. Like I don't even feel like I have control to over. To be fair, it. I it's a dollar fifty understand man. The appeal. It's a dollar fifty. The that's the
0: appeal. It's a dollar fifty.
1: I, I would rather eat the Costco pizza than eat the Costco hot dog. Is that the same price? I mean, I mean, take for tack. Come on. Yeah. I think you can get a slice of pizza there for like two bucks. So yeah, I mean, fifty come cents. On. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just not a hot dog guy. I'm just not a hot dog guy.
0: Okay. <laughs> Next question.
1: <laughs> yeah. Shut that down. Are you?
0: No, no, I'm not. I'm And I'm yeah, definitely not trying to be the hot dog is, apologist here.
1: Well, I was about to say, well, then don't pay me to be a villain just no, because I, I don't eat hot <laughs> dogs.
0: <laughs> I just, you know, I, I probably average more than one a year, but I'm, but uh, I don't know, but I mean, I probably eat like three at a baseball game once a year. So that oh, probably dude, that's makes an me. an hour and
1: a half. That's an hour and a half of your life. You're just flushing down the toilet.
0: <laughs> you know, it's, it's worth it. I hope
1: it's worth it, dude. It's worth it's it worth because it.
0: honestly, watching the Rangers, I'm already flushing three hours down the toilet. We're we're bad. We're bad at baseball. Uh, Okay, so next question. Um what's your favorite streaming service?
1: Ooh, favorite streaming service? I mean it's a spectrum these days. Okay. I feel like like Netflix is is kind of sinking lower in the stack. Yeah. And I feel like Maybe Apple TV is beginning to float a little more towards the top. I mean, I would say HBO, but I, but really, the only things I watch on HBO is the Game of Thrones stuff. So, like recently, HBO was at the top of my list because I was watching House of Dragon. But now that House of Dragon is finished, I'm not really I'm yeah. not really going to HBO for anything. Fair. What about you? What about you?
0: Favorite? I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, mean,
1: mean, I mean, I watch I watch some stuff on Hulu, but like. I feel like most of the stuff that's on Hulu is network TV. I, Hulu. I,
0: I, I don't know if this uh, I don't know if this counts as a streaming service it may not but honestly YouTube TV is that a streaming service? It's more like I mean, it's live. I
1: think it's like a it's like a cable TV streaming yeah. service. Yeah, right?
0: I mean, mostly I watch YouTube TV just because they also they'll they'll have like old episodes of shows I used to love. Like I've been on a MythBusters binge for the last couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, you were telling me I've about that. I've been
0: crushing episodes of MythBusters. I love seeing those dudes blow stuff up. It's something really cathartic about it for me. Um, I mean
1: right now I'm I'm very into the Survivor season that's that's out right now. Yeah, YouTube TV has all that guy. stuff.
0: Yeah, they have all like those yeah. old old shows that you can kind of binge which I enjoy and then they also have live TV so I can watch sports and stuff like that. So I'd say after that probably Netflix just because the well is so deep.
1: But, yeah, but I mean it's just I think we just have to recognize that Netflix used to be i man on the totem pole. Hands down, wasn't even a debate. Did you and it's see, just not like that anymore. Did you see that
0: Netflix now has a show about Blockbuster? <laughs> like,
1: No, I didn't, is it like about the, the downfall of Blockbuster? It, yeah, I
0: think the bit is that it's like a guy who owns the last Blockbuster, which I think is hilarious because at one time, Netflix tried to sell to Blockbuster for like $10 million or something. Something extremely yeah. low. And Blockbuster said no. And now and, uh, Blockbuster's gone. Poor poor Blockbuster. No, dude, those were good days. I used to love going to Blockbuster, and my parents would say you could get one drink, which was like a twenty ounce soda, you get uh, one snack, so you could have like a candy or you could do popcorn. Dude,
1: I can mean, I can remember the smell of walking into a blockbuster oh, 100%. in A hundred percent. And then you just... could, we
0: would get to have two movies. Like me and whatever my friend was staying the night, we'd get to have two movies, and we would always pick one that was like a like action adventure or like a little scary, and then we'd always pick one that was funny, and that was our palate cleanser in case we got too scared from the first one. Ah,
1: uh, the palate cleanser—that was like the safety net. If it you was. Too freaked out, you could always yeah. just pop the comedy.
0: You'd be like in you know what, okay. put in the Will Ferrell movie. We're we're calling yeah. it. We can't handle flip, this one.
1: Flip the lights on. Put in the comedy. Forget it ever
0: happened. <laughs> okay, next question. What's the what's the best sermon you've ever heard?
1: Ooh,
0: that's a hard one.
1: That is a hard one.
0: It's hard for me to even remember. Especially when you start preaching every week, it's hard to... I can't remember what I said last week, nonetheless.
1: The best sermon I've ever heard. I mean, I'm assuming... Or what's like the most
0: impactful... Or just one that you can recall.
1: I mean, what immediately came to mind was like some of the sermons that Martin Luther King preached. But I mean... Very I heard, I, I've heard those. I was I wasn't there for those. Like, is that part of the question? Do I have to be in the room for it, or is it just uh, I think the you, best sermons that I have digested?
0: Uh, either way, I think honestly, maybe those are two separate questions. Um, because I think I would answer that differently. Like, if if I was answering, like, is this like a
1: best sermons of all time, or is this like a? You, you see what I mean? Yeah, I
0: think I interpreted it. I, I think it's either, but I think I interpret it more like, what's the best sermon you've? heard and experienced what, you know, live in person, it was meaningful for you kind of, but also I think, you mean, what's just one of the best sermons you ever heard, which I, it's totally a valid way to answer.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's what popped in my head at first was like that, one. that, that prophetic voice, uh, of casting vision for what a future would look like. that wasn't segregated, but I mean, I know I've heard a lot of really great sermons. I just can't think of. Okay. Specifics. Let me ask you,
0: let me ask you kind of an unfair question. I'm going to, I'm going to switch this. What do you think? This is not a this is not a question I would want to answer, so I'm going to ask you. Uh, oh, perfect. What do you think is the best sermon you've ever preached? Oh,
1: man. I mean— Do you have one where you're like, this— You, do, you know what—I mean, and you're going to say yes to this, but what makes preaching such a weird thing is that a sermon can be, you think, the best sermon you've ever preached. And then you try to pull it out and preach it again to a different people in a different yeah. time and it falls completely flat. Uh-huh. It's it's just this weird thing about speaking a message and interpreting scripture to a people and a specific time, specific place. Um I don't know, when I think back on that I, I preached a sermon uh talking about unity and being one body and talking about the the many things around us that are that are swirling around and trying to Instill division in us, right? Perfect conversation to have today because it's election day. Right. Yesterday's so obviously, November there's a November. lot of, we're getting pulled a lot of different directions. Um, and I used the image, and I think it was probably an image that a lot of people had heard, but I think it just really hit home for folks of that image. And I think, I think you've used it too of the carrot, the egg, or the coffee bean.
0: I haven't. Talking
1: about how
0: I intend to. I think uh, we we've used it here though. Somebody, I think one of our pastors used it.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's a pretty it's a pretty common image, but I think it's just so powerful. Yeah, share share
0: what it is. Share what it is for the in the right
1: season. So, so I mean the image is what happens to an egg when you drop it in hot water. Right, it it hardens, it boils, and becomes a hard boiled egg. What happens to a carrot when you drop it in hot water? It becomes soft. If you leave it in there long enough, it'll just almost completely disintegrate. And then when you put coffee beans in hot water, they change the water. They make coffee. And the point is, is that we as Christians, as Christ followers, when we're in this in this hot water of division, I think is kind of how I used it. We have a couple of options. Are we going to be like the egg? Is it going to harden our hearts? Is it going to turn us away from each other? Are we going to be like the carrot? Are we going to lose our convictions? Are we just going to kind of lose our way and lose our path in the midst of this uh, disunity and arguing? Or are we going to be like the coffee beans? Are we going to be agents of transformation? are we going to let the water change us or are we going to change the water? Yeah. Um, and I remember preaching that and just feeling like the spirit was really present in that. Mm-hmm. I, I just felt like it was a word that that folks really needed to hear. Um, so, yeah, I guess that, that's the first one that comes to mind of, yeah. of sermons that I've preached.
0: Okay. Uh, next question. What, uh, what's the biggest challenge for those that you pastor right now?
1: The biggest challenge for those that I pastor, man, most of the folks that I'm pastoring right now are in the exact same stage of life that I am, which is just such a blessing. It's been such a blessing for me and Madison. Um, we've been at this church for about a year and a half. I came here in July of 2021. Um, I'm over the contemporary service, uh, so we have a really great community.
0: The gathering. that is mostly
1: um, that is mostly made up or largely made up of folks in the 35 and under club. Mm-hmm. So you know, a lot of my really high commitment folks are young parents. And man that presents a lot of challenges, right of, of trying to learn how to how to do a work to life to parent balance of, of trying to learn how to uh, bring your marriage into this new season of life, right? How to continue to be present with one another while trying to, to raise a child or making decisions around, you know, what am I supposed to do as a parent? The question of screen time is something that me and Madison have talked to. just like yeah. that whole vortex of life where all of a sudden it's not just about you. I think for me, it it has really caused me to do a lot of thinking on for this next generation of parents, what do they need from the church? Where do they need the church to step alongside them Mm -hmm. and support them? What challenges are they going to face? You know, I think this is our generation, right? This generation of parents. I think we're going to be one of the first generations to really have to deal with technology as just this force in our society and decide, you know, how are our kids gonna gonna integrate into that world. Mm-hmm. Um so I would say just how to parent, how to parent well. I yeah. think that's the biggest challenge that my folks are facing right now.
0: Yeah. I uh, what about
1: you? Biggest challenge your folks are facing.
0: I don't know. My uh White well, was a big church, so I don't even know who my folk are. Um but like our Saturday night people, it's a very eclectic group. Honestly, yeah. I would say just polarization, in our like there's, there's a lot of that obviously just in every form in the church, in the culture, um, people, I preached this message recent, recently, but like the, 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 the whole idea of like letting people, you, you know, have different understandings of things and loving them still and not letting that affect our, relationship with them or our view of them and you know letting like being united in the essential things but but giving a lot of liberty in the non-essential things which is a lot of stuff um i would say that's probably a lot of them i think i i talk to a lot of people who are just burnt out like not just from work and family and all the the responsibilities they have but just from sometimes how heavy things are just culturally and there's so in much yeah, yeah so much yeah. infighting and think everybody's just looking for some it's like we you know we we keep waiting for that that season where we're just gonna have smooth sailing for a little bit so I don't know I'm waiting
1: on it too yeah. is it about to happen
0: yeah 100%, 100%. but I'm, I'm an optimist
1: <laughs> I, I'm, a, I'm a benefit optimist. of
0: the doubt optimist kind of guy Uh okay yeah, you're right you're next right. question favorite athlete I think I can answer this for you
1: well, what what do you think I'm gonna say who do you think I'm gonna say
0: I think you're either going to say I think you I think the correct answer is Jason Tatum. So Ross is a big uh, Boston Celtics fan, uh, which he likes to remind me of. And I think I think Jason Tatum's your favorite currently, but I guess you may try and pull a little sneaky here and say like Larry Bird, like an old school. Celtic. No, 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 I'm not.
1: I, I'm not going to go old school because I feel like I feel like the question is who's is your favorite. athlete? hold right
0: on. Now, okay, then right you now. might be sneaky then and say like Jalen Brown or Marcus Smart. So I'm going to guess and you can tell final me if I it. What's your
1: final answer? Okay. Jalen Brown. Yeah. I, I, my favorite athlete right now is Marcus. Uh, you were close. I, yeah. You were close. I mean, come on, man. Just because he hustles. He with, I knew you were going to say that. The passion, the passion, the growth that he has exhibited since, since he started in the league. Like what more could you ask for in a favorite athlete?
0: You know, he's from uh, this neck of the woods. He's from like 15 minutes from here. He's from Flower Mound.
1: Yeah, I, I think I think I actually did know that that he yeah. grew up in Flower Mound.
0: Yeah, he's from Flower Mound, which is like just so we're South Lake, obviously, south of the lake. Flower Mound is north of the lake. So I mean, as as the crow flies, it's like right there, but you have to go around the lake. So yeah, dude, that's it's one of our boys. He's killing it.
1: Sam, who's who's your favorite athlete and why is it Luca? Yeah.
0: So it's Luca Don. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh shocker. Uh it's because he's a generational talent and um, Okay, here we go. Here uh, we go. He's he's brought the spirit and the heart and and the the determination of Dirk back to Dallas. Um he makes I mean, he's he's a better version of LeBron. And oh, He's, he's got a higher ceiling than uh, Pretty oh, much, yeah. Pretty, I mean, I'm as of we're recording on November 8th, 2022. Luca uh, right now has nine 30 point games in a row, which is second only to Wilt Chamberlain. Uh, so, just you know, those are so just facts, enemy, those are just right? current facts. I just want you, those are that's yeah. just what's happening, just like right now. That's Is he going to be
1: just like uh, Russell Westbrook and put up insane numbers okay. and never want to ship?
0: Okay, hold on. That's <laughs> absolutely uh, we, we somehow made it to the Western Conference finals last year with nobody did. around him. He did.
1: He did. And
0: so the, the he'll win.
1: Did too.
0: He, he'll the, win. The
1: Thunder did too with, with Duran and Westbrook and Harden.
0: Yeah, but Lugan didn't have.
1: Westbrook I digress I digress sh- I shouldn't have poked at you on air we could it
0: wasn't fair. We, might, we may need to do a separate podcast that's just NBA hot takes wasn't, uh, that wasn't
1: yes my favorite athlete Andrew, is right and, now hands down Marcus Smart you're a
0: Boston Celtics fan and then a, a Green Bay Packers fan
1: yeah but my passion for the Packers is is not is not even close to what it is for the Celtics yeah. I'm, I'm pretty much a diehard Celtics fan and then, and then NFL is like yeah yeah the Packers
0: yeah yeah, you mostly just follow the Czech fantasy.
1: True. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's very true.
0: Okay, what are you currently reading? Next question.
1: What am I currently reading?
0: Other than the Bible, what are you reading?
1: Um, I'm reading two bigger books right now, and I've been reading them for a while. One of them is uh, Thomas Jefferson's autobiography, mm-hmm. which I would highly recommend if you have not read it or if you don't know but much about his life um he lived a pretty insane life uh i'm not that far into the book but like the the intro is it a hard read overview. if it's
0: if it's his autobiography is it a hard read just because
1: no like is the it's the language I mean, it is the, the, the there there is a little bit of a disconnect with the language but it's not near as bad as you would expect like it's not near as much of a hurdle is as it like
0: reading a wesley sermon
1: no, uh, it's, it's it's better, better than that. that. Okay, okay. Oh, way better than that. Yeah, way better Which, than that. Yeah, obviously. Um, I mean, well, actually, no,
0: those are pretty comparable times, right?
1: Pretty comparable, but the language that that Jefferson uses is way more okay. approachable to okay. a modern reader than, than a Wesley sermon. So I'm reading that, and then I'm also reading a book called Mastery, um, another really interesting book by Robert Greenberg, and it is on. He, it's it's another really long book that was recommended to me by somebody um, and it is about how to become a master at something so the reason I like the book is that he spends a lot of time in the book telling the stories of other masters in society so like for instance like a he spends a lot of, he spends a lot of time fleshing out the lives of like Leonardo da Vinci oh, that's cool. or a couple of boxers that he considers to be uh, masters at their craft and a couple, couple of neurologists and brain surgeons and artists and a cello player. And like all of these people and Mozart, all of these people across society that managed to master their task. he spent some time kind of breaking down their life and looking at how they were able to achieve that level of performance. Um, and what he, so far, what he's bringing it back to is A lot of what an apprenticeship used to look like, like, for instance, for a blacksmith to go an apprentice under another blacksmith to become a master blacksmith. So it's just a really interesting read that kind of pulls you back to some of the older ways of learning a craft, uh, trying to get you to the point where you could you could be considered a master. Um, So those those are two of the books I'm reading right now.
0: Nice. Look at you. What are you reading
1: right now? I know one other thing. You're reading a book by Rich Belotus, right. right? Yeah, deeply, one of the things you're reading right yeah, now? Yeah, Deeply
0: Formed Life. Um, yeah, I'm reading that. Uh, I've got that. And then I, I've also, I haven't started this yet, but I just got a book called Live No Lies by John Mark Comer. That,
1: that's like, is that his second book after Ruthless Elimination of Hurry?
0: I think it's the most recent book after Ruthless Elimination. Has he okay. done one more recently? I, than I, don't,
1: I don't know how many he's written.
0: He's written um, several but he's books, guy, he, but he's the
1: guy that wrote Ruthless Elimination. Yeah. Yes, hurry, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah,
0: which yeah. You introduced yeah. me to Ruthless Elimination uh, yeah, it's a good and book. I loved it. Yeah. And then, so I bought, I just bought, I saw that he was coming out with a, a new one on Instagram. So I just bought it. And so I haven't started that yet, but yeah, I'm working my way through deeply formed life. And then I have another book that, uh, uh, John McKeller, our senior pastor gave me, which is, um, Texas. Oh, what's it called? I can't remember the title, but it's basically it's called like Texas, Arkansas and the Nixon administration. And it's all about like uh, old Southwest Conference days and the rivalry between the Arkansas Razorbacks and the the Longhorns and politics kind of intertwining with it. I I have just barely started it, uh, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to crush it because it, yeah, it, it's I'll right up my that. alley.
1: The older I get, the more of an itch I have to be reading some sort of history, yeah. whether that's a book like what you just talked about or like this autobiography of Thomas Jefferson or, and I don't, I don't, I don't really know why, but all of a sudden, I illustrations. Have a craving, maybe, maybe that's why, no, like, I, I don't know. I, 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 have a, I have a craving to be reading about. I'm not a fiction guy. People.
0: I, I don't read I'm fiction. Not, I wish either. I did though. I mean,
1: I think that's the other I thing. I watch and maybe, fiction
0: and I read nonfiction. I actually don't watch as much nonfiction. Like I don't I used to really watch a lot of documentaries and now I just don't. Yeah. Uh mostly mostly because it seems like every documentary that's on streaming services is like true crime and it's just so sad. I I carry it's, that yeah, I don't want to it's, it's either
1: it's either true crime or it's like a commentary on how bad the state of the world is. Yeah, it's and usually I just, one of those two I don't, things.
0: So I try and read my nonfiction and then I try and watch fiction. So yeah, television's where I escape to. Um, that,
1: that is that's yeah, I think Hannah the opposite exactly how I
0: am. Hannah's the total opposite where she reads really? She's a lot of fiction. fiction
1: and then she wants to watch the non-fiction. Yeah,
0: and she'll watch some fiction too, but but she she watches a lot of really like she got super obsessed with Titanic for several months and was watching really tell
1: me about that
0: she watched at least 10 different Titanic documentaries and it blew I did not under. I will never understand that because
1: how do you how do you make it through that season
0: ah uh, dude I don't it almost you, sank how me. did
1: you make it through that season it almost <laughs> it sank all, me. oh it gross. You like
0: that? Get out of, uh, get out of here It that. just blew my mind because I was like, you know what happens, like, and, uh, but it, she'd get like tiny details out of a, t- a new two hour one that she'd watch. She'd be like, yeah, I, I found out how their feet froze this time. And I was like, what? Why, oh why is that good information? Anyway, I love oh her. I, I love her very much. And she's, she's uh, smarter than me. So, uh, okay. Next question. What's, uh, what's your favorite part of the church calendar? I guess, like liturgical oh. calendar, is what they're going yeah, for. Yeah,
1: I'm assuming that's what they mean. I think, I think Lent. Okay. I think Lent because it forces us as, as a church, as a community of believers, to do what we don't often do well in society. Um, I think it forces us to look inward. Um, I mean, Ash Wednesday is one of my favorite liturgical days. It's one of my favorite services because I think we have to come face to face with the reality of our sin Mm -hmm. and also the reality of, you know, from dust you were made into dust you shall. Right. I mean, just this whole thing of, of your time here is, is not long. And when you do that, it, it makes God's action in your life, I mean, it, it really amplifies how you're able to look at that. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's so easy for us to only focus on the good news when I think it's important for us to look at ourselves in the mirror every once in a while and realize just how broken we are and how much we do need Christ in yeah. our lives.
0: 100%. Yeah. What
1: about you? What's your favorite I, season? Uh...
0: I don't know. I mean, part of me wants to say Christmas, just because. And honestly, the last couple of years, um, I felt an especial kinship with uh, Christmas, just because my wife and I struggled with infertility for a while, and so like I've had this kind of deeper connection with the idea of like journeying to Bethlehem, journeying to uh, yeah. to end up with a baby. I love yeah. Lent though too. Lent. I, I mean, I always Lent is a special time. I, I love, like, really trying to make holiness a priority for 40 days, you know, um, which really it should be every day. But there's something nice about communally our whole church, our yeah, whole. Yeah,
1: I think for <laughs> Lent feels like more of a reset button spiritually than Advent. And maybe that's that's just because the season of Lent and And this idea of picking up practice or Mm. or dropping something, whereas Advent, and maybe it's because Christmas is just so much more overrun by culture than Easter is. Maybe that's part of it for me too, but it's almost like I feel like with Lent and Easter, there are much less distractions for that to actually be a season of spiritual work yeah like dude, the
0: cowboys Advent, the cowboys are playing on on Christmas Eve this year yeah
1: whereas Advent it just it feels more like pulling teeth for Advent to actually be a season of I yeah growth. I agree
0: I agree and you're right it gets I mean yeah they the boys are playing on Christmas Eve, which is I don't know I was a little maybe this is a hot take to say on a a Dallas uh pod, but I was kind of bummed by that because I was like oh man that that day it's supposed to be set apart. Um, and now it's, you know, not, uh, I mean, it, people will hopefully make time to do a candlelight service and participate. And, um, and especially if we lose,
1: like, yeah, that's what I was about to say. I don't want to be, I don't want to be
0: bummed saying. on Christmas Eve, you know, and and especially if like, we get that, blown that, out. That, and it's also the Eagles,
1: so if they're gonna play on Christmas Eve, they really need to win. Yeah, if, if we're gonna play I mean, on if they really need to win.
0: Yeah, if we're gonna play on Christmas Eve, give us the Lions. You know what I mean? Give give me the Jets. Don't 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 put me against the Eagles.
1: Jalen Hurts.
0: Yeah. He's about to just wreck I'll be, the Cowboys. On I'll Christmas be Jalen Hurtsing oh, at the end of uh oh, gosh. I, I don't dude, I don't know where I, yeah.
1: Does does your church like hear you say these things, <laughs> or do you usually just same to me? Like
0: you would, yeah, you would be, uh, you would cringe at a lot of things I say. Yeah, you already did, yeah, but
1: well, I do, yeah. I just forget that, like you say them in front of everybody, <laughs> not just in front of me. I, I, hey, I'm
0: not hiding. I'm not hiding. Okay, <laughs> let's do a couple more. What's your least favorite book okay. of the Bible? I'm curious about this one. Least favorite uh, book-
1: least least favorite book of the Bible.
0: And if that's hard, Um, what's the most challenging one you've done on the podcast so far?
1: If Leviticus.
0: Yeah, that's fair.
1: I mean, when, when we were starting it off, we started calling it the Leviticus sized wall. And we also started making jokes about how Leviticus is where Bible reading plans go to die. Um, because, because everybody knows that feeling or you start off the new year in January and you're like, I'm going to read the Bible cover to cover this year. This year is going to be different. And you blow through Genesis, you get like halfway through Exodus and then it begins to get a little bit tough because nobody realizes that the back end of the book of Exodus is a little dry. And then you hit Leviticus and you're like, dang it. I, I don't think I can do this. I think a lot of people might say, that numbers is their least favorite book. But I realized how good Numbers is. Yeah. Um, when we were doing when we did Armchair. So I think like that feels like a cop-out answer. That no, feels like a duh answer, but I think it probably is. I think it's Leviticus.
0: Yeah, that's good. Okay. When we when
1: we did Leviticus on Armchair, we had one of my college professors who taught me Hebrew Bible come on and and she really helped modernize the book a bit um so if you're if you want to hear a take on leviticus that kind of meets us where we are a bit more i'd recommend that episode it was with amy cottrell but man it was still just a imagine podcasting your way through leviticus chapter by chapter it's just uh yeah, that's, it was a little rough dude no easy it, feat was a little rough. <laughs> it was a little rough
0: uh okay worst genre of music least favorite genre music I don't know. This is, I feel like this is a hard one for you. You, you're pretty.
1: Yeah. Your music
0: taste is pretty eclectic.
1: It is pretty eclectic. I think. Like, like what genre, what genre of music would you call like Skrillex?
0: (laughs) I I think dubstep. Would
1: Would that be like dubstep or trap or something like that? I think
0: trap is a little more hip hop influence but i think whatever
1: whatever genre of music skrillex is that's my least favorite genre just
0: straight electronic just like electronic
1: yeah it's like electronic sirens sirens with bass i I just don't understand it
0: i tried pretending like i liked it when it was uh when it was popular like which i would say what that was like when we were in high school so
1: probably yeah, like,
0: yeah, 2008 to 2010 yeah. ish. I feel like it was yeah. huge and it was yeah. anytime you turn on the radio, there was, you know, it, it felt like it just
1: instantly got a headache.
0: Yeah. It just felt like computers battling or something. <sighs> and, uh,
1: I mean, to me, it just sounds like, like sirens with bass behind it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, What's that's your a good least answer.
1: Favorite?
0: probably that. Yeah. I mean, like, in the right context, I could get behind some electronic music. Like if I'm trying to hype up for, yeah, well, it's not, activity. it's
1: not, I, I can yeah. do electronic. I would uh, say
0: maybe. I, I
1: can't do that. Like dubstep stuff. I
0: would say like, not a, I don't appreciate classical music. Like I, I recognize that classical music is amazing. So you don't
1: appreciate it or you don't like it.
0: I, there are time ty- there are, there's some classical music that I like and enjoy. There is some classical music um, that I don't. I feel like I I don't appreciate it. Like I just kind of shrug. I'm apathetic toward it. Whereas I'll yeah. you know I'll be around somebody or I'll see somebody or that's like oh my gosh that was so moving I wept. And I'm like really I don't. Yeah. So I feel like I don't appreciate. And when I was growing up, my dad listened almost exclusively to classical music and then 1980s hair metal.
1: Oh, John. Really? Yeah, that he, was he put you on that roller coaster ride as a yeah, kid like it was, you was getting one of those two things. Yeah, it was like
0: I'd walk in and there's like ACDC or I mean, talk Def Leppard Big Def Leppard guy. Uh, <sighs> I mean, he'd be listening to like Lightning Crashes by Live or Sammy Hagar or something. And then that just later that day, he's listening to something Concerto 8.
1: Oh gosh. Which, yeah, I mean, I definitely I, I like classical music. Okay, what's, Do I what's, what's your to it favorite? Time?
0: What, who's your actually? I mean, who's your favorite musician of all time? Is it Frank Ocean? Uh, I
1: like Frank Ocean. I mean, that's Johnny Corn Dog.
0: Johnny yeah. Corn Ross used to listen to this guy in. Uh...
1: It's it's Johnny Fritz. Okay, it's he changed Johnny? his name. He's a sing, singer singer songwriter uh, country artist. He, he released like, some sim, music. You, you, ever of, you ever heard of You
0: ever heard Johnny, Johnny Corndog? Corndog? And I was like, I definitely haven't. No. I-
1: <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I don't know who my favorite musician is of all time, honestly, bro. It, it could be Sufjan Stevens.
0: Yeah, that's a good answer. That's a that's a very good answer. He's a good. He's he loves Jesus. He loves him some Jesus.
1: And he his music spans across multiple genres, which I really have a lot of respect for.
0: Yeah. Um. Okay, let's do one more. Uh, one more. Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna swirl the bowl. We're gonna. We're going to pull, yeah, it, it up. We're gonna it pull up. one from the depths. Um. Okay, no. <laughs> well, you can answer this quickly. Queso or guacamole? <laughs> but we're going to find you uh, a little bit, a, a different one to be yeah, last. last. I, think,
1: I think it's probably guacamole, but there is such a thing as bad guacamole. It's got to be good like, guacamole. Yeah. Uh,
0: I think actually we talked about this on, I think the last <laughs> podcast, I think I pulled the same question and it was, and where we kind of landed with it was like, Bad guacamole is really bad, but bad queso's not that bad.
1: Bad, like yeah, you can eat bad queso. The floor, right? just the for queso, queso you it, higher. At, at your restaurant down the road that's just white melted cheese, and that's better, way better than bad guacamole. Yeah, but good guacamole oof.
0: maybe Man, better good. than great. Yeah, great guacamole maybe better uh, yeah. than great queso. I, I, w-
1: I would say yes, that great guacamole is better than great queso.
0: Okay, what's the ideal chip to go with? Uh, Go with your dips, your your salsas. Your I mean, is there a different one? Actually, probably different ones.
1: Oh, what do you like? A tortilla chip? Is like, that what
0: you're getting? No, uh, like me and Hannah will debate. Like she's she's a big Frito girl. She if we're having uh, queso, she wants Fritos, which I think is, is she wants. Where for me, she, I I like tortilla chips, and I'll eat tortilla chips just by themselves. Claim.
1: Yeah, which we've we've talked about that. I know you've, you. I mean, yeah, really I, mean, I think about that with with salsa and. And queso and guac, it's got to just be like a, like your classic on the border tortilla chip, right? I think so. Yeah.
0: Okay. Here's, here's our real last one.
1: You've been, you've been digging, you've been digging for a good question.
0: Yeah, I have. There's, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of food related questions that have been submitted. Uh, Okay. So what is, and you can interpret this however you want. Okay. What's your reason for being in ministry?
1: Oh, man. Why'd you become a uh, pastor? That's a big question. Mm-hmm. I'd be curious to hear your answer, too. I'll, I'll try and answer first, then we can talk about it. And, you know, my answer may actually be kind of similar to yours, just the the nuances of it. I mean, just, like Sam, I mean, not like Sam, because Sam has a lot of a lot more people in ministry in his family than I do. But I grew up with a grandfather who, who was a pastor in North Alabama, which is the conference that I, that I serve. And he, he was just a, a really beloved pastor. Um, he served like as a district superintendent a couple of times, which just allowed him to get to know a lot of people in the conference. And I actually mentioned this in my sermon this past week, just because it was All Saints Sunday. But I grew up, you know, he he passed when I was in fourth grade and I grew up getting to know him by the way people remembered him. Yeah. I mean, that. I mean, I have memories with him. We spent a lot of time together. But it was but, the stories
0: people told you about him. Yeah, but as, as I know him.
1: Yeah, man. Yeah. Like, I mean, just crazy moments like one one summer when I was in the church choir, we were in California singing at a church. And someone picked my name out of the back of the bulletin and found me after the concert to come up to me and tell me that they wouldn't be a Christian. They wouldn't be following Christ if it wasn't for the way Pete practiced presence with them in the midst of a really difficult season in their life.
0: That's really cool. And
1: and that that has happened to me more times than I can count. So I think growing up, I was always just intrigued by this idea of, of being a shepherd to people and and walking with people through this journey of faith. Um, and, and then I think it probably clicked a little bit in high school of like, Oh wait, I think I actually may possess some of the, some of the gifts and graces that, that could lead me to be able to do this. Um, So I I think that's part of it. I I think growing up with with such a beloved pastor in my family, I was always maybe a little bit more open to the idea than a lot of other folks are. Um, But I mean, I think I think what it boils down to is like, man, I think I think the most meaningful life that you can possibly live is a life. Uh, that reflects the life of Jesus. Yeah. I, I just I don't think there's a better way to live. Yeah. Of course, I believe in in the redemption and the salvation that we find in Christ. But I also believe that a life that is lived like Jesus lived His life is the most fulfilling life that we can possibly live on Earth. Hundred percent. Yeah. What about
0: you? Yeah, I mean, I I, I love the way you put that. I, I want to. I, I think I'd say the same. I mean, um, I definitely. I definitely didn't want to be in ministry uh, for most of my life just because I had so many family members who who did ministry and you know, you just like with anybody, whatever your parent, whatever your sibling, whatever your close friend does for work, you probably know more. You get to see how the sausage is made sometimes and it doesn't always make you want to do it. You see the hard parts of the job. And, um, but I think for me, it was like, I just kept searching for something else and I just felt like, God would not release me. This was the only path he gave me. That's how I felt. And and so I guess my reason for being in ministry is, like you said, it's the most fulfilling, meaningful life that I can imagine is is being in ministry for me. And and I think there was something for me, too. Like, I, I did an internship when I was in college with Project Transformation, which is like a literacy program. And I got to work with um, a lot of kids who found themselves in really tough situations in... Uh, you know, below the poverty line, and they may not, you know, know where their next meal's coming from. And um, we got to do some homeless ministry that summer. And I just, I felt, and I felt like part of my work was not just helping provide food or education and those things. It was like providing hope. It was offering hope, offering um, good news. And it was like, I mean, I just, I never, once I, Once I got to try that, once I experienced what it was like to, to have a conversation with someone and let them know like the, the heart of God and what I believed God felt about them and how much I believed they were loved and, and that they had a purpose. Once I, once I just experienced that, um, it, it was, it was like, there was no going back for me. That was nothing else I tried ever scratched the itch, ever made me feel like I had the same level of purpose. So I don't know. Yeah. I love the way you put that though. I love the way you put that. Yeah. This, it's the most, I, mean, meaningful I, just, I
1: think, yeah. And it's just so countercultural to where we get pulled these days. Right. I mean, a life of self-sacrifice, a life of love, a life of grace. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, it's just, you can live such a fulfilling, jam-packed, meaningful life, uh, just living the way that Jesus lived.
0: Yep. Ross, thank you for being on the pod, dude. Uh, If you are listening, I would highly, highly encourage you to go check out Armchair Theology. Uh, You can find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You can find it, uh, Google Play, anywhere that podcasts are available, you can find Armchair. It really is genuinely, I'm a little biased, but it's it's a great, great show. It's uh, it's a fantastic way to walk through scripture. And it's also just a really good uh, uh, kind of... What's the word I'm looking for? Additional resource for your Bible studies. So if you're going through, uh, you know, say you're going through Leviticus or uh, Genesis, Exodus, whatever they've covered so far, um, it's a great thing to listen to in advance. It's a great thing to 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 kind of uh, complement uh, whatever a, a study you're doing in your in your personal life or or in your small group. So highly recommend Armchair. Go listen. Go check it out. Uh, uh, wherever you get your podcasts and uh thanks for listening please send in questions we are we're starting to redo some questions so please send them in uh you can uh, find my email on the website you can send it into Whiteschapel uh, questions at whiteschapelumc.com uh put in the subject next question and your question will be included uh appreciate having you ross
1: Oh, dude, it was a blast. Thanks for having me on. It was a ton of fun. All right, see
0: y'all next time. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Next Question. If you'd like to submit questions, you can send an email with subject line next question to
1: questions at whiteschapelumc.com.